the Kingdom Minded Man podcast. It's a place where we come to explore what does it really mean to be a man of God. We love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and this podcast is dedicated to bringing all the glory to Him and to raising up more men for the Kingdom that are ready to lead their businesses, families, and communities. What's up, everyone? I am so blessed and honored to be launching episode two of the Kingdom Mind and Man podcast. We have a legend amongst legends in the business community, true kingdom builder, entrepreneur at heart, family man, man of God. My boy, Nicholas, Nicholas Barely is going to be jumping on. We're going to be talking about all things kingdom minded, and I am just so excited. But before we jump into that. You know I like to share with you a few awesome things that we got going. There'll be links below. Make sure you check out the Made Clothing Company. We just dropped some new merch. Ladies, we didn't want to leave you out, even though it is a masculine-driven podcast, but we are here to touch all souls, to bring everyone closer to the kingdom, and why not have some good swag when we're doing it? So we just dropped a collaboration, Tristan Eaton Design, one of one, God first clothing line. Check it out. And of course, the King of Kings, no-brainer, got to get this one, Basiat Crown, which is fusing awesome street art with uh, everything to glorify the Lord. And of course, if you see it, I got it, and now you can have one too. It's that God first snapback. So we are just super pumped to get into this podcast. And you know what? Without any further ado, let's bring in my boy right now. Boom. There he is. What's up? What's up, man? Hey, I appreciate you having me first off and I'll honor you, man. I, I remember being 60 pounds heavier, which if people are watching on video, you can't hear it from the sound of my voice. I might be 60 pounds heavier, but like, just tell you, I lost 60 pounds. And at the time I thought that I couldn't change my situation. I didn't have a podcast, a YouTube channel, like none of that stuff to listen to. So I totally thought that I was stuck that way. Like it literally caused me to have a falling out with my father. I really avoided people, super self-conscious. And it was actually one guy that said one thing that changed my life forever. And like, I literally lost 60 pounds because of it. And also I gained 60 pounds because of one person saying one thing that changed my life forever. Mm. So it's wild how those one moments can happen. And I appreciate you for creating a space for other people. The one thing that I did is I listened. So for the people that are listening or watching here, we can create those moments that change everything forever. Every single bit of change in life happens in a complete instance. No change in the world ever happens gradually or over time. All change happens instantly. Wow. The smoker, they smoke their whole life. They try to quit, try to quit. And then one day they just quit. Like wow. they quit in the moment. It might take a long time to get to the moment, but our goal is to create those moments. And thank you for creating a space where wow. we can create those moments together. Thank you so much. Uh, audience, can you just feel his fire? I like you just get in. You're like, let's go. We're going to bring the heat. It's coming. Yeah. So I want, um, man, there's so much to share about you. Uh, you have your own podcast, God's Business, which is epic. I mean, you've you've had like every stud already on the podcast or you've been on every other person's podcast. You are a master networker at heart, pure, pure entrepreneur, family man, man of God. You also have the King's Brotherhood. I'm going to, by the way, listeners, every link to find Nicholas, to, to hear what he's doing, to come to his events. He throws some unbelievable retreats in Texas. He's got so much to offer. It's all going to be below. You know, we want to always lift up our brothers in Christ. We want to see you win across the board. So check him out. I'll drop his Instagram, his Facebook group, everything in there. But before we jump into like all things that you've done now, because everyone always says like, wow, he's killing it, right? There's a story. There's a way you got to killing it. And the labor of love that you had to put in, I would just love to, can you just unpack that journey of what it was like to see you as the man you are right now in this podcast, but what it took to get there? Yeah. I, what you're talking about is really true. Like I didn't want to do any of the things that I'm doing now. Like I didn't want to lead a men's community. I definitely didn't want to speak. I most definitely didn't want to coach anyone. Those were like things that I literally said I didn't want to do. So part of my like what I'm supposed to do in life has really come from me just going, what do I want to avoid? Because there's like some type of resistance there. And almost that resistance is almost like, huh, 
Maybe I should kind of check this out. There's other things I've never talked about. There's things that I desire, but even mm -hmm. my desires are mostly just passions. And as a man, it's very easy to get caught up in passions and to avoid responsibilities. And like one of the biggest things that changed my life forever as a frame for this is that where can you find where your passions and responsibilities overlap? So I'd start asking myself, does this fit? In, am I passionate about this or am I, is this a responsibility that I have? And that can be a God ordained responsibility, meaning that for me, I knew impacting men was a responsibility. I knew right. influencing world leaders. Those are both things I don't care to do. Like, I don't really want to impact men. Like that wasn't like something that I just desired. I just knew I'm like, all right, I like, I have a passion for speaking, for communicating. That's amazing. But where does it overlap with my responsibility? And I'm like, I know God's called me to do this. And so I really went after that area and all those areas, like I said, are areas that I really sucked in. So even for me as, as a family, like I'm, my son's three and a half years old right now and, and we're growing up together in a family. He's about one year away from the time where my parents divorce. Wow. Put myself as a father in the shoes of him, how much I love him, understand him, understand how much it would wreck him the thought of my wife and I splitting up in a year and having to, and creating that type of environment for my son, it it's, hits me differently because I go, wow, like I was literally him and it, it, and I wouldn't have even known what was to come, right? I might've been just like him. Oh my goodness. Look at my family together. We're wrestling together every night. We're hanging out. And then all of a sudden that could be split. Uh, at that time, uh, for me at four and a half, my parents split up at two weeks later, my stepmom moved in. So weeks after my mom moved out, a new lady moved into my dad's home. So just a ton of like stress in that area. At seven, I wrote my first suicide letter. And it was and it was because I just felt that I was the one in the middle of all the chaos. Like I was the reason for the chaos. Think about it. Mm. My parents split up. They didn't like each other, which they like each other now, by the way. It's like great timing. They're like, we'll never talk to each other again. As soon as I hit 18, they were like, want to be friends? It's crazy. And so they, they split up. And the only reason they would fight is because of why? Because they had to talk because of me. Like if I was in the picture, they just never would have talked again. So all the chaos and all the craziness was all because of me. One thing I'll throw out there for all the guys listening is that your perception is your reality, especially as a child, right? Right now you can be childish thinking that your perception is always reality. But as a child, no matter what, like, you could go to your family, your parents, your dad, your mom, whoever, and you can go, hey, mom, hey, dad, I was really hurt by this. I'm recognizing it now in my life as I've been doing deep work and maybe even listen to the show or, or working with other coaches. You're doing deep work and you're like, man, when I was five years old, this happened to me. And your parents will be like, what? I don't remember that. You're like, what? How do you not remember that? Or they'll yeah. be like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Like if you even go to your parents and ask them what they think messed you up as a child. Mm. it'll be all the things that you don't even remember and you'll have things that they never even expected mess you up. So things that my, that wrecked me as a kid and, and hurt me deeply are mostly things that either my parents don't remember or they thought it was completely something else. or they meant it a different way. Wow. My perception though, as a kid is my reality and that's okay. Like it's okay that you perceived it wrong but because you did, that is your reality. And for every person out there, their perception is their reality. And so for me, I felt that way. And it got to the point where I really wanted to be what my father wanted to be. So my father has this story that many other guys that are blessed enough to have a father in the home, uh, since 25% on average of all homes in America have no father and up to 80% in some communities that plenty, I'm sure you guys being interested in manhood have already read the stats on that. So if you're blessed enough to have a father in the home, they usually do one of two things, right? They either, they either are just like their parents or they do the exact opposite. Like it's mm -hmm. like one of, they just do one of the, one of the two. It's like, oh man, I'm ending up just like my father. I'm ending up just like my mother or, oh, my mom never bought me anything. So I'm going to buy my kids everything. Oh, my mom made me go to school. So I'm not going to make them go to school. And these are these two different things. So my father had his key stories that are so awesome to hear now. And, and me and my dad have become so close now. And I, I have to preface that because people are like, man, you and your dad, like they're jacked. 
Well, my dad, he, his dad never bought him anything, never bought him what he wanted. He wanted a motorcycle. He got a paper route. He bought it at nine years old at 12 years old. He bought a new one. He bought all of his own stuff. And the only thing his dad ever bought him for Christmas was a tire for the bike. Right. Like Mm. you can tell, I've heard this story quite a few times because my dad would tell me the same story. And so what did I get at four years old? A motorcycle. Cause it's what my dad always wanted. Think about this for a second. My father desired something for so long, right? That time away makes the heart grow fonder. It's like when you Mm -hmm. have a desire for a very long time, you become like obsessed with it. You desire it more and more. Like the length of time sometimes can increase the the value of the reward. So my dad for 20 years is like, ah, I've always wanted this. And then he gives it to me and I don't react the same way because I haven't desired the result for as long. So at the end of the day, I always wanted the approval of my father. Always. Just like mm. always thought about it, always had a big fear of being left as well. <laughs> I mean, I I remember my dad driving down the road in a car and I was on a motorcycle, a little one. And mm. he thought, man, he's going so fast. I'm going to keep going faster. I was only going so fast because I was so afraid of being left. Now, that's a good story. The bad story is at five years old. I remember my mom being at a baseball game, left me in the van. She was watching the game. I could see the porta potties and I had to poop so bad. I could see them. <laughs> but I was so afraid of going out to the porta potties and being left at the baseball game, my family just leaving me yeah. that I literally pooped all over the floor and I blamed it on the dog until they saw the back of my leg and and you know the back of my shoe. Oh and damn. Like, oh my goodness, my dog pooped all over the car. And and so this like led me I was riddled with anxiety all through 3rd grade. And just never grew up in a home where Jesus was present or any of that stuff. My dad and I had a falling out because he told me I'd never be the best motocross racer in the world when I was 13, 12 years old. And we didn't talk for about three and a half years. And this is like that one moment that changed my life forever. I mean, I literally Mm -hmm. remember sitting in my bedroom. We grew up in a 1200 square foot house. My dad was a business owner, carpet cleaning, flood restoration. Wasn't cool at the time. He'd pick me up in like a work vehicle and I'd be all embarrassed at school. Like, oh, like why? Why are you picking up in this work vehicle? Because uh, it just wasn't that cool at the time. Mm. So he, he's coming down the hallway where my dad drank a ton, like a ton. My dad drank a lot. Like so I think like 30 packs is like what you could buy. My dad could drink a whole 30 pack like in the in just the day. Damn. Like, yeah, yeah. My dad would tip our gardeners with beer cans. So like our gardeners, he just give them all the cans and they'd have like 30 bucks in tips. Come on. It was crazy, bro. So lots and lots of cans. And my dad's walking in the hallway. I'm following him to the place where he normally smokes and drinks out back where we kind of like hide it and everything. And so I'm sitting with him and right on the way there, I'm like, this is going to be the time I'm going to get my dad to love me. I'm going to go, dad, I want to be the best motocross racer in the world. Mm. I want to get a tutor. I want to go on the road. I want to do this thing. Let's do it. And I just expected him, dude, like totally to be like, yes, finally, my son is like on it. And he looks at me and he goes, you'll never be the best. Like you're just not good enough. And it crushed me, man. I didn't talk to my dad for three and a half years because of that. I gained 60 pounds. I went from a 3.3 entering high school, which is not that great to a 1.8. I couldn't even do any sports. How old were you? I had to go to, I, this was all throughout high school. So I was going into high school, 13, 14. (sighs) And then all throughout high school, I had a 1.8. I had to go to summer school every year. I had to go to college campuses to get extra credits just to graduate from high school. And so like my life was not pretty. I'll fast forward for you. The one moment this guy speaks to me uh, and just said one thing to me that was super scary for me. I wore the same sweatshirt every day to school. I'm talking Mm. like 110 degrees outside. I was so insecure because I had gotten so overweight that if you lifted up the hoodie on my sweatshirt, it was a completely different color because of the sun fading from me wearing the sweatshirt every day. I mean, I'd wear like the same underwear even most of the time because it just fits so much better. Like I was literally hiding every single piece of myself and my body because I was so embarrassed. I mean, I wouldn't go outside all of summer because I just like was so embarrassed with my situation, but I didn't know I could change it. This guy Mm. said one thing to me that just gave me hope that I could change my situation. I went home, I lost 60 pounds, but that ultimately led me to this ultimate realization that, if I keep achieving, it'll never be enough. Mm. And many of the guys, they'll they'll get so much further along with that pain than I did. Like almost like in a blessed way. I'm like, man, I was so lucky that you got to be so insecure that you became wealthy. Right. There's a the the guy 
who's the guy that plays the mask? Jim Carrey. He has this famous quote that says, I wish that everyone in the world would get everything they've ever wanted, desired, or hoped for so that they could figure out that it's not the answer. Wow. Because like he got everything he ever wanted and realized, like, oh, no, it's not the answer. He's like, I wish that upon everyone. Get everything you've ever wanted or desired so you can know yeah. it's not the answer. And so I, I got that early where I lost 60 pounds. I start like getting friends back, my relationship right. with my father back. And I start like, I'm literally six packed out now. Got a six pack. I'm, Let's go. I'm going to my first parties that I've ever gone to. And I just feel like, oh no, like this is, I just got to go for the next thing. I'm like, I don't think it'll be any different. And that was one of the biggest issues, man. And so mm. what ended up happening is I ended up getting into demonic stuff. So I was Mark. like, there's got to be something bigger out there in the world. And I was like, well, where have I seen that? Ghost hunters, paranormal movies you know, exorcists, all these things. So I'm like, let's do that. So I went down a nine month road where sometimes for multiple days straight, we would be summoning in spirits. And we did that for nine months, which led me to salvation, which is crazy. Um, Wait, so real nine quick. Month, yeah. I got to ask you, cause this is, this is, this is getting juicy. Are you willing to share? What did the guy say to you? Oh, the, the guy to help me lose weight. Yeah. Change your whole life. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. This, this is, this is a, uh, how complex it has to be to change people's lives for everyone who's overcomplicating it. So one, everyone who's changed my life was always doing. So they were leading by example and that's what caught my attention. So this guy was like, all of a sudden he was shredded. And so realized for me that even me saying something to this guy was scary because people would make fun of me. If I even said something about health, people would be like, Oh, look at you, Mr. Man boobs. Like, so I, I see this guy shred and I go, dude, what, what are you doing? And he pulls out this bag of fruit. And I was like, bro, you brought food to school. Like no one does that. Everyone just like, I was on the cinnamon roll, chocolate milk diet, like cinnamon roll in the morning, big one, like this big chocolate milk, hot chocolate in the winter. And then I'd have like orange chicken and rice for lunch, but at school, this guy pulls out like an assortment of fruit. And I was like, bro, why'd you bring that? And that was super vulnerable for me to say. And he was like, man, I picked up boxing. And my trainer put me on a meal plan so that I could perform really well, but also so I could weigh in at the correct weight. Wow. And it was that tie of performance and results. I was like, oh, wow, it's not just about losing weight. Like he says he can perform better on this stuff too. And literally that was, the, I never even told him. Like I still got to find this guy and be like, hey man, thanks. I literally went home and I took whatever he brought to school for lunch. And I told my mom to buy like a ton of it. And I literally lost 11 pounds in two weeks. And that's when I was like, full on i was like i'm fully wow. committed to this i totally starved myself did it wrong which is why i built a health company later on to show people how to do it right but mm -hmm. man i i just was i was sold out and there's two types of men out there i was one that's less common today so there's a man that knows everything to do but he's not getting any, any of the results and this is like such a hard place to be it's like they know how to market they know how to sell they know how to lose weight they know what the macronutrients is they know the micronutrients they know the, the seed oils they should stay away from but they're overweight and out of shape like yeah. they they don't have a business they don't have an income and it's that one's so tough because for that guy and this is mostly the guy that i work with is the guy that knows all the answers, but just isn't getting the results with the answers that he knows, which makes it so difficult because it's like they think they're so much better or they should be further along than everyone else, but there's idiots out there getting better results than them. They just blame it. Maybe it's genetics. Maybe it's uh, that I'm just not lucky. And really, they just need to apply the things that they know. And that's always been like the person wow. I'm very good at working with is getting people that just know it to applying it and getting a result. I was in this other camp, which a lot wow. of other people work with that isn't really who I work with. And these are people that just physically don't even know that it's possible. They don't know any of the information. So I didn't know that I could eat different and change my situation. I just thought I was screwed. So the second that I got information, I was able to execute because mm. I was an executor. I just was like, I have nothing in front of me. At the time, I was literally like a top 10 video game player in a video <laughs> game because I was like an executor, but I didn't have the right things to execute on. So I always ask myself even, which camp am I in? Do I currently know what to do, but I'm just not doing it? Or is there a lack of education? I need to get educated. And then the last one now as a business owner is, am I the one that's supposed to be doing it? Wow. So it's always one of those three things, right? Is it supposed to be someone else? I'm not supposed to be the one who does it. Do I need more education so that I can execute? Or do I have the education? I just need clarity on what I'm actually trying to accomplish so that I can do it. 
Mm, so that's actually, all the guy said, bro. He just told, showed me what he ate and he told me that one sentence. And I literally lost 60 pounds in six months off one sentence. You're definitely, so you're right. There's like four quadrants of people. I learned this when I went to the vault conference with Patrick, Pat, David, and it blew my mind. You, some people are motivated and, and driven by different things. You're definitely a person who takes information, digests, and goes. What, I, what you said though was interesting because I felt like when I got saved and I shut my business down, I lost, you know, a quarter of a million dollars in one year. And then I relaunched it to be what it is now. And it's been a journey. I always feel like I'm in that quadrant. You said, like, what do you say to the guy who has the skills? He, he is work. He is capable, but it's not clicking. Yeah. So it, it would be a bigger conversation, obviously to figure out why, but yeah, one of the biggest big. things that, someone in in a situation like that would be going through is self-sabotage and the self-sabotage comes because their identity is coming from their situation especially if the if the successful identity came from the success so if it's successful identity you know good income you know making doctors money to salvation and then you have this new identity these new things that you value so because you value them you're in this heavy phase of i need to learn this Forget this stuff. I, I'm going to learn this. Problem is, is we jump back into the reality of life and our calling and, and recognize that, oh, God had put me in business far before he called me to himself. So it's not like I was living life away from him. God orchestrates our life even before we're saved in the areas that we're going to make a big impact. And Ooh, so he's already good. equipping you for your calling. I was a demonic kid. I was literally called the demon kid in my school to going out there and doing supernatural mission trips, wow. seeing people healed, saved, and delivered. So the supernatural equipping, even in the demonic, is what prepared me for the calling of God. So same thing with you. Wow. You were already being equipped. So then when you get that reality and you realize, oh, wow, I'm supposed to go back into this business, but now I'm have no. Now i way behind. Like right. I'm not the income I was. One of the issues around that is we typically will look at our external surroundings and build our identity off of it a case of our identity. Mm. So if someone's in a great environment, they start getting all cocky. Like that's right. the negative side about it is that even if you're doing well, people get cocky off their external environment. You take everything away. Now they feel less than they don't feel as powerful. But at the end of the day, if I were to, let's say, put a billion dollars in your account, we'll just pick on you for a minute, but it's like let's it's go. everyone. bro. <laughs> if I put a billion dollars in your account right now, you, you know, maybe you go to lunch and you just like, open your bank app and kind of just leave it open just in case your buddy sees it. And you're like, man, I'm feeling like awesome. Like I got a billion dollars in my bank account, bro. Like I, I'm like, even for me, I'm like, man, that'd be pretty fun. Like what you think that things would be different. And if you had a billion dollars in your bank account, you may come on this show and be like, guys, like, here's how it's supposed to go. Here's how you live as a man. And I don't give a rip if you care why, because you're like, fine. Right. And so you start showing up different in every situation. You don't need anything from customers anymore. So you're wow. like, bro, I don't care if you buy. I'm set. This could just help you. So all of a sudden we're acting different. And then let's just say this. A week goes by and I rip the billion dollars out of the bank account. Maybe you've spent a good amount as well. So now maybe you're negative one million in the bank account because I ripped a billion dollars back out. I charged back. <laughs> I was that <laughs> I did a credit card charge back on a million dollars. All of a sudden now, if you would put yourself in that situation for many men, they would feel worse. Like, man, I'm not as secure. I'm not as confident. I'm not as successful in all these things. And so my question to them would be, well, what's changed? How have you mm -hmm. changed? Like if anything, you're probably better now because you probably learned something in the last week that the week before you didn't have. And so right. like I worked with a client once, he, he sold over a billion dollars in motorhomes and had a very successful motorhome sales company and they did like refurbishing and he had gone through a divorce. He had to sell 20 of his rental properties, his assistant embezzled $700,000, like all this different stuff. And so he's coming to me like all like sad and down and like just doesn't have any motivation to push because he's like, look at my situation. And so I told him, I'm like, man, you remember when he sold a billion of motorhomes? Imagine if you did that right now and all this stuff. And, I, and I'm like, okay, now imagine it's gone. I go, the guy that you are today, are you smarter than you were then when you were successful? And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, are you better? Better at selling, better at your service, better at everything. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm better than I was back then. 
So like nothing has changed besides the external environment. He's actually better at everything mm. that he did than he was back then, but he's drawing his confidence just from the external thing. My side, I was a carpet cleaner, bro. That's right. Saved, missionary, went into business, failed, clean carpets for my father, making literally 19000 my first year and $21,000 the second year, mm. living in San Diego, married, trying to provide for my wife, Got kicked out of my townhome, couldn't afford it, moved into a one-bedroom apartment with no air conditioning in 110-degree weather, and clean carpets is my main source of income, where I wouldn't even pay for parking at an entrepreneur event because I just knew that I'd clean someone's house for two hours just to pay for that parking, 35 bucks. And so that identity crept in on me that when even I invested in a mastermind, I got pitched for a mastermind, and my wife and I were like, listen, we're never going to get to where we want to be if we keep doing what we're doing. So let's just go all in. We'll pay for this thing. We'll put it on a credit card. And they wouldn't even like, we were so broke that they didn't even want us to join. They were like, there's no way you can do this. Like you are so broke. And we're like, we're, we're going all in. I was still so nervous to show up to anything because my identity was a carpet cleaner. And it took me actually laying on the floor. I said, God, I can't live life with this identity. You need to show me who I'm becoming and who I'm going to be 20 years from now. Give me the eyes for that so that I can have confidence in what I'm doing today. So I said, I'm not going to get up this floor until God, you show me this or I'll die here. And I do lots of things like that with my relationship with God. I'm just like, God, I'm going to get on this show and I'm going to speak. And if you don't speak through me, then I'll just look like an idiot. So you might as well use me. Right. I'll be like, Hey God, like I'm going to go give this guy an encouraging word. Please speak through me or else it's just going to be like for no reason, but I'm willing to listen and will and, and willing to obey. And so same thing. I'm like, God, I'm going to lay on the floor and I'll die here. If you don't speak to me, like if you just want me to die, I'll starve to death. So I'm, I'm laying there and I got music on and I start seeing like 20 minutes into it. I start seeing this picture and I start just like going through this phase. And I brought other guys through this at our events. I started seeing myself 20 years from now. I was on this huge boat and I realized that it was a boat because all my family members were on there and they're so split up, right? I have a stepmom, stepdad, mom, dad, mother-in-law, father-in-law, like, hello. Like they don't, none of them hang out. So because it was a boat, none of them could get off the boat. So they were all there connecting. No one could leave, right? My fear was people leaving. I just saw myself as successful, dude. I saw myself just like confident. And I started asking myself like, a lot of people out there would say, be mentored by your future self. Like, what would your future self tell yourself? Mm. And that's really cute. What I did is I actually said, hey, God, I, I literally like transported to when I was 55 years old. Mm. And I talked to myself and I was like, you know what? You come back with me. And I had my older self jump into my now body, which is so weird to, to <sighs> say that way. And I was like, what if... I just went back in time. So if I were to ask you even, Gerald, I'd be like, yo, um, if you were to go back to when you were 14 and you could live life, knowing what you know now, go back to when you're 14, would you be more successful? Absolutely. Rush it, bro. Rush you know it. so much more now. So that's what I did, but with the future. I had God reveal to me what my future was so that mm. I could come back now and I have this unfair advantage because I already know what's going to happen. So I just started operating instead of getting on podcasts and being like, man, I'm a carpet cleaner. How could anyone want to work with me? Blah, 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 blah. I was like, God, you tell me my identity and I'll change my external situation. Mm. I'm not going to have my external situation. Tell me what my identity is. Cause then I just, I'll never change because it's all around me. I was literally at the time that my first six figure month in business, I was renting a like 10 by 12 room from my mother and father-in-law and living in, in a spare bedroom. Like I had my, uh, my office, my desk was inside of a half closet where I had to take off the sliding doors. Like my wife and I were sleeping on a full size bed, not a queen wow. size, not a, not a king size. Like that's how quickly everything changed. Like I was carpet cleaning, renting the room, like, and just caught vision of who, what my identity was there and got my identity from Christ, but not just like biblically reading. It was God, show me my future self. Show me what you're going to be doing. And can I rip that person into the now with the confidence? So when I get on the podcast, I would speak 
as if I was 55 and I already had accomplished everything. In the sales call, everyone, pretty much everyone who's ever talked to me about buying anything from me, they all know that I'm like, I don't need or care about your money. Wow. Like, I don't, I don't need it. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Some will, some won't. So we'll move on. Like I already know where I'm That's going. Cool. If you're a part of that. Awesome. If you're not a part of it, it doesn't matter to me because I already know it's going to happen. So it doesn't really matter to me who does it because I'm already confident in the outcome of my life. And I've been able to do that specifically because of that. And I gave that example with the billion dollars. People do that in their sales. People do that with their life. I think it's very, very important that if you're, if you're there, it's time to not allow the external environment to define who you are. But we got to figure out who we are and then allow that to shift the environment. And Danny, or I think it's a Chris Valentin's book. Uh, I think it's Culture of Honor. He talks about that if you take a poor person, he calls it pauper, but if you take a poor person off the streets and you give them a kingdom, you give them influence, you give them money, they'll always reduce it back to where they came from. Wow. They'll reduce it back to nothing. If you take a king and you take him out of the kingdom and you put him in poverty, he'll always rise to become a king again. Wow. Always. Because it's who he is. It's his identity. So if we just shift the external environment, we'll always sabotage back to our comfort level and our, our expectation. People do it with their income. People do it when they win the lottery. So that even in King's Brotherhood, the goal is to transform the man in the business, not the business around the man. That's inevitable. Once you are wealthy, it's impossible to be poor. Like you just can't do it. Money just gets thrown at you from every single corner. Opportunities everywhere. Every single time you turn a corner, there's a bag of money. There's a bag of blessing. There's a bag of wisdom. It's just there. It just happens. There's just some people that they're so lucky or man, so much happens for them. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like just who they are. Like, it's like being funny. Like you just are funny. It's yeah. Like you have to like pick it up one day. It's just like, you just are that way. And, mm. and that's what I think is so important is to transform the person in the business, not just the business around the person. And you had talked about some people are scared to like invest in themselves or make steps forward in that. Yeah. And I'm just like, the day may never come that you're in the place where you feel comfortable and confident to invest in yourself. And what happens if that day never comes? Every person I talk to will talk as if the future is better than the present. Ooh, say right? that again. That's people uh, every person, hear that. They're always like, oh man, hey, Gerald, hey man, I'll invest in your coaching. Man, I'm about to launch this thing and it's going to be amazing. Once I do that, then I'll invest. <sighs> so they think that the future, they talk as if the future is going to be better than the present. But if they actually believed the future was going to be better than the present, they would have already invested confidently knowing that they were going to be fine. Mm, so are, are they told. actually confident? No, they, they're actually confidently expecting that everything in the future will go wrong. So because of that, they make decisions today based on everything going wrong, which they get a result of usually everything going wrong. The wow. chance of something going very right is very minimal. I, if, if a guy comes to me, let's say, who hasn't gone through something specifically catastrophic in the last 12 months. And I, I'll talk about it for other people's companies. One of my sales companies consults other people's companies. We, we listen to their sales calls and sometimes people will be, let's say 40 and they're like, Hey, you know, I've been building up for a long time. Uh, I just don't have any money, but I've been working hard for a Great long morning. time. And I, and I always am like, what's, what's going to be the difference in the next 20 years. If you've spent 20 years from 20 to 40, and you haven't been able to retain any wealth, how is going out and working harder to do it all on your own going to change the next 20 years? Mm -hmm. I, they had a shot. They had a shot. And like that would have been me. Like realize like I can say this because all I have to do is look at my younger self and say, what would I say to myself? Right. I was 22 when I invested my first mastermind, but I had to look at my 18 to 20 years old, 22 years old and be like, how has it been working so hard? And really, I was paying off $100 of debt per month, $100, $100. I invested $5,000 into an event to go to. So it would have taken me, what, 50 months? Is that what that is? 5,000 bucks. A long time. Just to pay off the debt of that investment. That's insanity. And so it already clicked for me just as it clicked for me when I lost weight and I realized this accomplishment will never make me happy. And that's how I found Christ. Mm. The same thing happened when I was cleaning carpets 
And I looked at my wife and I was like, I'm saving a hundred dollars a month and it's going towards debt right now. If I keep doing this, where am I going to be in 10 years, 20 years? Something has to change. So if I go out there and invest in a mentor and a program and we fail, it's okay because I already am living, living a life of failure. If I keep going the way that I'm going, I've already know the outcome is failure because I'm not accomplishing anything that I feel called to do. So I, I really believe in, in, uh, having vision. And I, I, again, I'm very low risk too, dude. Like there's, there's very few, there's a lot of people that out there, they'll invest in the biggest Ponzi schemes, but they'll <laughs> never invest in themselves. I don't invest in Ponzi schemes. I'm very low risk when it comes to investing. There's just Warren Buffett says the one investment that supersedes all the others is the investment in yourself. And the second best investment is inside of your own business. And I truly believe that mm. if people are looking to do that, they should find people where they can consistently invest in themselves and their business. Those are the top two things that you can do, especially if you're not getting the results that you want right now. Man, there's so much there. You just dropped like, I'm just like blown away by the way your mind works. But yeah, and outside of that, bro, like the advisors, community, and GPS systems. I talked about that's a big deal to me. Someone knows what they should do. They should have advisors. They should have perspective, people that give them different perspective because they're in the weeds of their own life. They should have accountability. Um, mm. You know, th These are the things that you're going to want to have to just help with the execution of that mm. because at some point it's going to be necessary. There's, um, gosh, who was the guy? There was a guy that just spoke at our church. He was a pastor. He died in his parking lot. What? So, yeah, he was at his parking lot of his church, had a prayer meeting. His wife came into the car and he was dead. He had like a heart attack or whatever it is. And what he said was so powerful because he said, what are you going to do when you can't do anything? So he came back to life like days later, like days what? later. Yeah, it was crazy. Incredible. I'll have to get his name for you. So he, he I, I, yeah, he's very cool. So he comes back to life days later, dead, 100% dead. And he said that he was locked in a black room and a spirit of death was over him. And it was the prayers of others that brought him back to life because wow. he couldn't pray because he was dead. Mm. And so there's always going to be a time in every man's life where there's nothing that he can do and it's going to take the support of others. And if he's all alone, like if he was all alone, he was dead. That pastor would be dead just like most people die. Like it would have been fine. He had a heart attack and he died. It would have been like a normal day. Hey, dang it. Mm. Old guy died. But no, he came back to life because of the prayers of others. I think for every man's life, it's impossible for him to accomplish even a mere percentage of the destiny that God has on his life if he doesn't have core people that he's running with. Like you were never meant to do life alone. The first problem in the Bible, what was the very first problem? He's like, he did this and it was good. He did this and it was good. So what was the first problem ever addressed in the Bible? Hmm. It's not good for man to be alone. It's the first right. thing he said it was well, that wasn't good. That's right. That was the very first thing. And people think it's like sex or something. I'm like, no, it was companionship, <laughs> it was friendship. Like, I'm sure that was good, good, awesome perk on top of it. Yeah. But it's companionship and friendship. And the correct mm. friendships and kingdom related friendships, uh, Daniel Grothy says this really well, talking about covenant community. It oh. makes you not only less lonely, because loneliness was the problem, not only makes you less lonely, it makes you more fruitful. If you look at some of the most powerful people that are aligned in, on earth, mm. men that are aligned with other friendships, oftentimes it makes both of their lives reach levels that they could have never, ever accessed on their own. That actually, the authors, if you look them up, of Narnia and the Hobbit were best friends. This is a perfect, uh, perfect segue because I know your story. So you went from, you know, dude, struggling, straight up struggling, which I love that. I hope every man, or even if women are listening to this, because we're both in the, in the personal development space. The big thing I hear at Dust Till Dawn is like, when I get the money, I'll invest. When I get the money, I'll invest. When the time is right, I'll invest. But you made the time right. And you ponied up, you bet on you. You put it on a credit card, which is risky. You knew you were going to pay it off. You get a breakthrough. Things start changing. But you said you never really wanted to build what you're really living out right now. But I can see by, and I mean, I could hear you, the importance of brotherhood. I mean, I experience it all the time. If I didn't have my church community or my brotherhood, I just, where who's accountable right. to it, you know? Yep. So how did it come about, King's Brotherhood? Like, how, how did it come, like, 
Where did it come from? Yeah. My, so my wife and I ended up meeting in ministry school. We went to ministry school. First year we were dating. Second year in between the years we got we got married. We went to Bethel School Ministry. Wow. Went to 14 different countries together. I thought prior to getting married that I was going to preach the gospel till I was 30 and die as a martyr. That's what I thought. <laughs> I didn't think I'd reach it to reach 30. I just thought, let's go slay it and, and I'll go die. And then and I ended up getting married at 20, which is very interesting because like my, my wife was 18. I literally went to her high school graduation. We get married. We're in ministry school. And all of a sudden, we feel this like big call to business. I got ended up getting shipped a bag of shake mix for a network marketing company like half eaten into my mailbox and I eat it. And I'm like, dude, this is amazing. I lost 60 pounds. I could help other people do the same thing. And that's what really got us into business was that network marketing company. Mm. But that failure really took a toll on me, dude. Like when you're saying, man, guys out there, they say they, when they get the money, like I was the same way. Like I'm on the other side now talking about it. But like, I remember weeks Weeks before I invested in my first like $5,000 event that I went to, which was a big investment for me, I had bought courses and stuff, but man, I'd been punched in the face. I lost everything, everything. I had a $37.50 food budget every week. My wife and I split a $25 a week eating out budget for years, split $25 a week eating out budget. Like... I was broke, dude. Broke, broke. So I remember going to this event. I got invited to an event for free. There's actually a guy named Nick Unsworth. Um, he's a good friend of mine now, which is so funny. But I get invited to his event for free. I show up to it. I'm draw I'm going to the parking and it's 35 bucks. I literally drop my wife off. I go sit on the curb for four hours. And I think I even went to a driving range and hit $10 bucket of balls because I was like, I saved $25 not paying for parking because my mindset at the time was like, bro, I know exactly what I did for this money. And so for mm -hmm. me, like I was doing the same thing, bro, until I had that reality check of if I don't change, I'm going to be just like my dad. And wow. luckily, luckily I actually did something in that moment. So for me, yeah, we ended up uh, joining a mastermind for six months. I didn't show up to anything because I was so embarrassed that I was a carpet cleaner. All my friends told me to refund. So that just shows what type of friends I had. They're like, wow. bro, you can join my programs. Like if you refund and just pay me, like I'll help you out. Cause I hadn't Damn. gotten any results, but why didn't I get any results? I never showed up to anything. Okay. So I was going to this event. There was one event with this $5,000 investment. And I show up to the event because I just knew like my dad would kick my ass if I ever like refunded something. So like my dad had this influence on me still. I'm like, man, that's just not what we do. Like we, that's just so rude. And so I go to this event. And literally my whole world's rocked. Like I got to share my story. I got to share my vision. I had people pour into my vision that, that wow. were better than me. I had people show me like the path. They verified my product. I borrowed their confidence. And we literally left there and we did over $22,000 in sales in our fitness business leaving there. I had never done more than $3,000 in a month. And literally I borrowed their confidence. I borrowed their blueprint and really just got like permission. People were like, this is good. Wow. Like, wow really? Like that one event. Sounds, yeah, yeah, one event, dude. So I got, I leave there. We did 22K that next month. I literally called my dad and I was like, dad, I was scared that it was a sham. Like I thought, man, two months from now, I'm going to come back to my father and like have to beg for a job. It's going to be terrible. But I go, dad, I need to quit and go do this. And this was after 14 months of running my dad's business. So my dad had not stepped foot into an office for 14 months and I had ran everything. And this was the week that he was coming back. Wow. So it was like, he was telling me take a week off and I was like, dad, I think I need to take off longer than that. This is going to go crazy. So we, we, we quickly went up to $35,000 a month inside of that coaching business. And that's what gave me the idea of, I have all these men. So look at what God had done, dude. This is so crazy. I, when I take over the, the fitness business, when I started doing the sales and like being the face of it, I went all in after that event. And I remember going, honey, I don't want to talk to people's wives. It's like, I should probably just talk to men. So let's just like sell men only. I wasn't like, it wasn't a niche, bro. It was just like, I don't want other people's wives falling in love with me, which is like the worst way to say it. I'm just kidding. I just didn't want to like other people's wives telling me Smart. about the junk of their husband. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. no, this I do would be like ministry 101. 
So I start getting all these men. So we have all these men. And at the time, I didn't know how to build a business, right? I told you that I was freaking poor. So I was like, all right, if you're the five people you surround yourself with, if I run a fitness business and I'm selling poor people all day, like I'm going to be poor. Like I'm going to be around them, talking to them. I don't want to be, I'm like, I'm going to only sell business owners. So I built billion dollar body on the backbone. I remember that. Ends only and business owners only. I go, we're going to work with busy entrepreneurs. Like that's what we're going to do. I, I owned everyday fit entrepreneur as well. So all of a sudden we're scaling this company, signing up new people we're doing so well and I'm getting around them and I'm like, I'm around business owners all the time. And finally, I'm like, my, my, us, for us, we built our business very prophetically. We had the number one ranked new podcast out of all podcasts in 2016. And that was because my wife had a dream that we launched a podcast. So I hired John Lee Dumas uh, to help us launch that podcast. My wife had a dream that we were supposed to hold an event. We ended up planning the event. We're like, we're going to have a hundred men there. And, and I was like, why? It's like, well, all of our fitness clients don't have community. They're just our one-on-one clients. They need to come mm-hmm. together and build other relationships with other business owners. So I jump on the phone with actually a guy named Alex Ramosi. And I was like, Alex, like, I'm running this event. What do you think I should do? Like, do I sell another fitness program? And he goes, dude, you're not the fitness guy. Like, I had just lost 60 pounds. And right. it was the only thing I knew how to provide a service for. But he's like, you're not the, the fitness guy, bro. It's like, your network is what's so valuable about what you've created. And I was like, I want to launch the brotherhood. Like I would love to launch like a men's community where I, I give access to what we've built in business and all the network that we've built, but also the health stuff. We give it away for free. Like we'll just put it as part of what we do and they'll build relationships with other men. So I, I hold an event. And again, this is three years after getting consulting for speaking. So I'd been paying thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to learn from top speakers. Like this wasn't like I just went and tried it out. Right. I was like, all right, I guess this is time to make it happen. I held a two-day event. We sold $280,000 of our Brotherhood memberships in two days, 2017. Wow. This was 14 months after I quit carpet cleaning. So I was making 20K a year. And You had the fitness later. business, right? The, but the network during, marketing business was really the primary source of building out all of this revenue to get to where you wanted to go. Nah, bro. Network marketing was amazing for a year. The whole company shut down. I had a carpet clean for my main source of income, making 20K a year. We started interning for health coaches, making no money. We had never made more than $3,000 in a month and zero profit, never taken any money from our business in three years. So I made $0 from it, invested in a mastermind, went, and then yes, the fitness business is what then took off that helped us build the Brotherhood event. Right. It was like $100,000 in debt for, and we sold... $280,000 $280,000 in brotherhood memberships, that very first event that we did. And okay. that's where I was like, at the time I was still running the fitness business. Like, Oh, I can't like yeah. take any money from the brotherhood. Like I need to just run my own business. And I was like, man, this is so impactful. Yeah. This is what I want to go all in on. That's what launched billion dollar brotherhood. That's and right. Throughout that process, bro, we've, you know, we've served tons of guys done millions and millions of dollars of revenue. And I was like, this is incongruent. Like we were helping guys hit Inc. 5,000, get married. I was in people's weddings. They were fit. They were literally gaining the world off biblical principles. And I would share my testimony. But I was like, if this works for all men, what have we poured into Jesus-loving men? Because it would work for them as well. And that's when we launched King's Brotherhood. And that was really a calling from God, dude. He really, he really pushed me. He showed me two things. He showed me Abraham and Isaac, will, are you willing to sacrifice the brotherhood that I've called you to build on the altar and shut the whole thing down for me to bless it? And number two, he, uh, he showed me Saul. And he showed me in 1 Samuel where he was told to go to a city, kill everything, kill all the animals, not keep anything for himself. And he comes out with all the best livestock and he preserved the king's life. And, mm. and afterwards, he sacrificed it all. And God said, obedience is better than sacrifice and re- and rebellion or like uh, not being obedient. Disobedience is the sin of witchcraft. Wow. And so I literally went to my whole community and at one of our masterminds, I said, hey guys, everything's going to change. Here's my testimony for two and a half hours. Here's what King's Brotherhood is and all your contracts are canceled. And if you want to join the new thing, you can. But if not, everyone's free to leave. Sacrificed the whole thing on the altar, was just obedient to what God told me to do. This was 2022 November. And we literally grew the 
grew the brotherhood in revenue within the first 30 days, even with the people that left. We had people that obviously were like, bro, this is what I've always wanted it to be. Like, I wish that it was like this the entire time. This is what I thought I was going to join. And it really allowed us to bring Jesus into the center. Holy Spirit is the covering and God is the multiplier of the success of the men. We went from health plus wealth plus relationships equal to three-dimensional businessman, which was our old model. I actually killed the three-dimensional businessman in that meeting and said we're all four-dimensional now around uh, health plus plus covenant community plus business times God. And we put God into the equation. And that's what created a four-dimensional businessman. And people just got sold out on that vision, man. It was just absolutely wild. And it was strictly for these two reasons. I went to a men's event, Christian event. And this is what actually inspired me to create all my events. I went there. I had a transformation. I built such great friends. We even created a Facebook group together. I went live every day in it. We were all inspiring each other. And I was like, we're going to go to lunch. We're going to absolutely crush it. I was like, these are my brothers. Mm. We went to our first lunch. Half didn't show up because of the price. Other ones complained about the cost of food. And only one of them was an entrepreneur. And I was like, dude, I cannot. Like, We had Christ as a as something that we connected on, but our actual calling in our life was completely different. So I literally created a million dollar brotherhood in our events off of, we need something that when people come to our event that we, someone can invest in if they really want to be around the legit guys that actually want to do something. Yep. And so I created this space, but inside a business, man, if you want to learn to build a business, you got to go learn from a lot of people that do not grow you spiritually. Like that's been the general thing. It's very hard to find a Christian that aligns with you. that can help you grow. So I learned from, heathens that knew how to make money but i realized after 10 years bro that i was rolling on the momentum of my spiritual life from my past right and i was like how can i create a space where when guys go to church and they're business owners they don't feel seen because no one understands what they're going through yep and when guys go to business events they don't grow spiritually so they end up hating both of them in different seasons some seasons they grow spiritually and it makes their business dwindle And other times they grow their business and they see their spiritual life dwindle because of the people that they're around. And I solved both of those by getting the most successful Christian men into a room that want to build wealth, build financial legacy. My business partner built the fastest growing B2C company in North America, did $200 million in revenue and sold it. He just held an event for all of our guys yesterday, all around financial legacy, keeping your money, multiplying money, leaving a legacy where he gets, he makes over seven figures a year just from his investment portfolio not any of the work that he does. And he's 30, yeah, 30 years sick. old. And so like we're him. bringing that in to these men to help them not only build the business, make the impact that they're meant to have, but to multiply the talents that God's put in their hands because there's inside of multiplication. It says, enter into the joy of your master. When you mm. multiply what God's given to you, it allows you to enter into the joy of your master, which is Christ gives wow. you joy. And that's what we just equipped them to do. Cause I couldn't have done it without equipping. Yep. I had all the potential, but it's all been mentors, advisors, community right. and blueprints. That's it. I got you. You glazed over one thing that I was like, how casually you said it. You're like, I just called up my friend, Alex Harmozy. How did you meet Alex? How do you just call him up? The only people watching this are like, how do you just get in that arena like that? Well, shout out to Alex. Cause yeah, he's now he's just become so big that people would say stuff like that, which is so cool. Well, I mean, I just I, value I would, that he's highly intelligent and everything he says, I apply to my life and it works. Yeah, Alex is very smart, mm-hmm. very intelligent, always has been. And just a overall really nice guy. Him and Layla are also just like very truthful. And I think that that's really cool. Every time that we've been around each other, they're just, if I were to say, hey, what do you think about this? or Or, hey, how's this going in your life? they actually sit there and go, huh, this is how it actually is. Not like, oh yeah, that's going great. Or yeah, we're crushing it. It's, it's very cool. Even if they are crushing it, but yeah, my best man that led me to Christ, that was the best man in my wedding. Alex ended up at his house for Thanksgiving in like 2016 or something like that. And then I ended up at Alex's house and stayed there because of my friends, Brandon and Kaylin that were friends with them. And I FaceTimed him and was staying in his place, but I never met him before. Uh, and then my best man's brother worked for him. So my best man at my wedding was one of his salespeople. My best man's brother was one of his salespeople. My best friend now was great friends with him. Uh, and then we were both in inner, inner circle with Russell Brunson together later after that. Right. 
but he lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico in an apartment driving a Prius while he built gym launch. And so like, I got to see a little bit of that, of that process and, and have always stayed connected ever since. And, Mm. you know, he's just, and that's been cool for him too, is like, you know, like his, he's done a good job at keeping, keeping connections that he built a long time ago as he's like blown up. Um, we texted the last time that I went into Vegas and he gave me a bunch of advice on where I should eat. So yeah, just, I think it's built just been a pre-established relationship. Whereas if I try to hit him up and I never knew him and I were to Instagram DM him right now, I would never expect for him to say anything because I know, I know what that's like. Right. Like people come into Austin a lot and they're always like, bro, we got to get together. And I'm like, bro, it's difficult. Like, yeah, you know, even with King's Brotherhood, like, I let them know like my days are spent right here inside of King's Brotherhood, inside of our group. Like this is this is what I've been called to do. So during work hours, like I serve these guys, like that's what I do. And, and so I think it'd be different if I didn't have that pre-established relationship. That's beautiful. Well, we're on the King's Brotherhood thing. So uh, curious, when is the next event coming up? October 4th through 6th and then January 31st through February 2nd. Now, I know you have mentioned this to me. If you're not inside the King's Brotherhood just yet, you can come and experience the event. You do hold a few seats, not a lot, right? Just a couple? Yeah, yeah. We just do a handful of what we call drop-ins. We should probably come up with like a cooler name. That's kind of like fresh blood. It just really motivates the other guys and just adds this fresh perspective. But also the reason we only have a few is because there's culture involved. Of course. So we want people to adapt to the culture and we have, I mean, we have our free group too on Facebook, which is the King's Brotherhood. Yeah. We have 5,600. We removed 50 people yesterday. I didn't um, get removed. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. It's only 50. So it wasn't that crazy. It's like 1%. <laughs> but we, we consistently are doing that. And we've done purge posts every year where we're like, hey, if you don't believe in these things, like feel free to leave. If you're open to it, you can stay. So that's 100% free. Obviously, God's business show yeah. is free as well. But if there's a guy that's called to business, they feel called to business, like they're meant to build a business and they want to biblically build a business, not just the way the world says, but they want to figure out what does the Bible say around it. And they recognize that churches that focus on one area of breakthrough usually get it. I went to Bethel. Bethel really heavily focuses on seeing healing miracles. Mm-hmm. And they have literally he- people fly over from all over the world to, to go get healed at their church. And where have people done that with the Bible with business? Right. And that's what we've created is an atmosphere to go, God, what are you doing here? They feel called to that and they want to grow their relationship with Christ at the same time with other like-minded men and have that type of brotherhood where it influences them in a positive direction. That's what King's Brotherhood is for. And obviously there's the two different ways that people can do that, but um, there's no way for people to buy. So like I have nothing to sell people in the way that there's only a way to apply. And we don't like building a brotherhood. If it's not a good fit for people, if we were doing a bad job because everyone knows each other, everyone would know. Right. Like we have guys that have been involved with what I've done for four years straight. And if we were doing a bad job, believe me, everyone would hear about it. There'd be posts in the brotherhood group. There would be Mm. the guys all talking to each other. Whereas most companies have a lot of one-on-one clients. Right. So if one's upset, they don't know who the other clients are. So there's no one to really complain to. Mm. It doesn't come out like way later. We've been doing this for seven years. Like I said, both me and my partner, Brandon, do it together. I brought in him really on the heavy business and investing side. Like that's, I needed to make sure that as a business community and mastermind that we were producing more revenue, creating better results so that we were a, we basically what we wanted to create was a powerful community, but we wanted to be the number one business mastermind wow. and just showing that if you put that's Christ cool. first, you can do that. So I'm, I'm all for he's it. Super impressive, bro. He's like, I can't wait he, to meet I, him. I pay, I pay him as a mentor. So like That's I pay it. him a ton every year as a mentor for myself in business. And Smart. I have him contractually coming to every single event as well. <laughs> contractually. Like we incredible. Yeah. He's there. So I wanted to ask you before we uh, hop off. Right. So if you had only like a minute left on earth and you could only give one piece of advice, what would be the most powerful piece of advice you would give another man? What would that be? Yeah, yeah, I, I would, and it would be my son that I'd give it to, and it'd be seek wow. first the kingdom of God, and everything else be added unto you. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't talk about anything else. None of this other stuff matters at all, bro. Like the, from a plaque to a money to a house or whatever, like none of it matters at all. Pales in comparison. And oftentimes the only way this stuff comes to people is if they understand the hierarchy of what's really important. And so for my son, it would be that his relationship with Christ is the most important thing and being transformed by that. And if he focuses on that, we see biblically that that's where everything else happens, but he's not chasing those things. He's following Christ, not, not even chasing Christ, right? He's walking with Christ. And if he does that, then that's really the only thing that matters. That's when you know you're truly a kingdom-minded man. You just like mic drop the whole thing because that's really what it's all about. And you've had so much success. You've been rewarded so much. You have a beautiful family. I actually met your wife first. You believe that? I was with, uh, I was at, uh, of course, I was at um, Khalil's place, uh, Sun Sun Life Organics, right? Buying like a $40 smoothie, of course. God bless him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not a $20 uh, acai bowl. (laughs) Yeah, $20 acai bowl. I was just sitting there on the way out. Your wife was so nice. She's like, I think you know Preston and those guys. I'm like, yeah, because the Empowered Brotherhood. And then we got there. She said, you got to meet my husband. He's so cool. I'm like, all right. And then here we are like a year later. Um, so yeah, man, is there anything you want to say to the users? I'm going to drop, uh, all the links to your, to your sites and guys, I hope you, you know, take an interest in learning more about Nicholas and what he's offering. If you're a businessman, if you're a kingdom minded man, it's a no brainer, the proof's in the pudding, you know, he, he didn't come from a silver spoon in his mouth. He built it from the ground up. He's been successful. I love that you're a father. So there's relatability there. You know, you're not just a guy saying what it's like to be, you know, kingdom minded have a family but you don't so i love that that it's aligned it's authentic and um yeah man whatever you want to share yeah. with the users let them know yeah there there was two there's a really big defining moment when i was sitting in my carpet cleaning van pouring it out in my front yard because i would like water my grass with everyone's dirty water uh which is terrible and i i was sitting there just like my dad and that's when i had that realization that like if i keep going the same direction i'm gonna end up doing the same thing which Again, there's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't my calling. Mm. And I had two core thoughts. The first one is I actually asked myself, I was like, you know what? I've been waiting for something outside of myself to change my situation. And that was a very foreign concept to me because I was so scared of doing something apart from God. It's like, God, I don't want to move if you're not moving. Not knowing that he's like, I've given you the keys, right? Like notice that when God gave Adam dominion, he literally told Adam, hey, here's my will for your life eat of every tree besides one. And as long as you do that, you're good. Like, it's like, Mm. it wasn't like, Hey, my will for your life is eat of none of these trees besides one. And like, that's what every guy thinks is like, God's saying, be careful, make sure you don't make the wrong decision because you can only eat of one tree. And if you don't do that, then you're off as well. So this was so scary to me. I'm sitting there in my truck and I asked myself, all right, I've been waiting for a video to go viral. I've been waiting to get lucky. I've been waiting for customers to buy. What if it's meant to be, it's up to me. What would it look like to take responsibility for this situation in my life? And it's proven now that if you want to decrease stress in your life, you don't offload responsibility. You actually take responsibility. If you actually take responsibility for more things, it'll actually decrease your stress, which is so weird. So I I ended up doing that and I was like, what would I do? And I was like, well, every day I write down what the money goal that I have for that day is. And I'd write down everything that I could do to hit that goal every day. And then to be just smart and holistic, I'll just work until 10.30 p.m. if I don't hit that goal so that I could get enough sleep for the next day. And I literally just every day just started writing down, what can I do? What, what like in my mind, God, I'm going to write down everything that I think I should do to hit these goals that you've put in front of me. And if you want to speak to me and help me and guide me, like, let's do that. And that's when I found out that, that the superhero movies say that with great power comes great responsibility. Of course, that's kind of dumb. It's like kind of obvious. It's like if you're president, you have a lot of responsibility. But how do you become president? It's because that when you take great responsibility, you get empowered. Mm. So it's actually the backwards of that entire statement. That's how you actually get to the place where great power beca- comes with great responsibility You take responsibility and you gain great amounts of power. And that's where everything started changing for me. So if there's any guys out there, that's the number one thing I would do is I'd start asking myself, God, if it's meant to be, 
if it's meant to be, it's up to me. What, what would I do? What would you have me do in this situation? I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to expect that you'll speak to me, bring things my way. And also, how can I operate not out of fear? You had mm-hmm. talked about guys saying, oh, when I have money, then I'll do blah, 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 blah. Like, I was the same exact way. Look, Read the parable of the talents. Five to ten, two to four, one buries it in the ground so that he didn't lose his master's money. Mm. Why did he do that? He did it because he was afraid. Said he was afraid. And God right. called uh, his master called him wicked and slothful, mm. which is not what you expect. And so ultimately, I would say once you take responsibility, once you realize that taking responsibility gives you power, once you start looking every single day, God, what can you have me do? What can I do today to push this mission forward? It's also do- not denying that he may put people. For me, it was my best friend. Mm. I had invested in masterminds and all these people. And I was like, God, I'm trying to build this movement. These are the areas that I'm struggling in. And it was like my best friend, who I already knew and hung out with all the time, had the capabilities and ability to do that. And so I invest six figures a year to learn from my friend that I already hang out with all the time to honor the gift on his life and get the help. Just you just recognizing God, what would you have me do? Everyone's like, well, I got the Bible right in front of me. Like, okay, well there's people right there. So it may, it may take that. And it takes relationships always cost two things, time and money just depends which one you want to use more of, but it'll always cost that whether you're driving there and it takes gas money, whether you're, getting lunch so you can leverage time at first like you can spend more time to make the connections go to free events go to free networking events Uh, but also at the same time at some point you can leverage money instead of time it's beautiful but it takes both too you're the best i can listen to you talk for like the next 10 hours (laughs) thanks bro i appreciate you having me yeah man thank you so much for being uh guest number two we had joel brown before you we got mr steve weatherford coming in so uh, i'm just super grateful that you would take the time out of your day to be on here and just really be a good beacon for men for what it means to really be kingdom-minded uh i appreciate the work that you're doing uh, the love of the lord that's in your heart it's an honor to get to know you i can't wait to uh i'm gonna be in austin in october i know you're busy but i'm still gonna text you and say i'm in austin let's call you coming in uh october 14th and 15th i think i'm in san diego <laughs> you'll probably be you're, you're traveling a lot i go to san I'm diego pretty sure, bro. I, yeah I, I travel i'm traveling a lot yeah we'll, we'll connect the in the year. flesh but just uh stay out here longer bro move back i know listen i'm working on the lady give me a break you know she's uh she's got a great community here in new york so She's been blessing me with some really great people too, some really great men that are doing great things. So we'll see what the Lord has to say. But yeah, bro, that's what it's all about, man. That's why I moved out here is because God said move out here. I wasn't planning on it either. So I appreciate you, man. And and Yeah. yeah, for everyone out there, thank you as well for making it to this part.